1: Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Industry Cloud Trends with Game Changers, presented by SAP, the best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's cloud strategy and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham.
0: Welcome, 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 and if you want to run with the Game Changers, I promise you are in exactly the right place. We have a great topic today, and the buzz is playing catch up. What is she talking about? Okay, let's be honest. We can shop for anything, do anything online. We can chat and talk with friends and colleagues. We can watch TVs. We can watch movies. It's there 24-7, 365, or whatever your calendar is. We can check our bank accounts. There's not much you can't do on the web. However, hold on. To hold the phone. When it comes to utility bills, I still—if I live in an apartment house—and so we get it in our monthly maintenance. But those of you living in in private homes, most of you are still getting your bills by paper mail, by the mailman or mailwoman, snail mail, and you have to pay by check or phone. What's up with that? Everything else can be done online, digitally. Here's the reality check: Utilities' adoption of digital technologies are lagging. Lagging how badly? How much? Well, they're lagging behind retail. Of course, retail's at the forefront. They're lagging behind communications. They're even lagging, wait for it, wait for it, even lagging behind government. OMG. Why is this happening? Well, The utilities industry kind of has its hands full. They're balancing efficient operations of this huge infrastructure they've had for years with the need to adapt to the volatile market environment. They're busy reevaluating their physical assets, their customer relationships. How do they make themselves relevant to us if there's competition in our area? That means looking at their business models, their processes, and the role and structure of their workforce. That's right. Real people work for them. Are they still relevant and doing the right thing? So the question on the table is, when will utilities catch up and get on board this moving train called the digital economy? We have invited back three experts in this field because they have the answers, and at least they're going to be the better predictors than anybody else, we believe. First up, pleased to welcome back Michael Shanko. He's the Executive Director of Technology Strategy and Management for Consumers Energy, that's CMS. Michael has selected a quote from Gail Sheehy. Those of you saying... Gee, that name sounds familiar. Who is Gail Sheehy? Well, she wrote a book called Passages. I happen to have a very, very old paperback copy here on my enormous bookshelf from all of my radio shows. This was named one of the 10 most influential books of our times by the Library of Congress. And if that doesn't ring a bell, Gail Sheehy has written biographies of major 20th century leaders, including, wait for it, Presidents George H. and George W. Bush, Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher, Egyptian President Anwar Sadat. Soviet President Mikhail Gorbachev and even Hillary Clinton and she's writing a memoir probably just came out called Daring My Passages so here's the quote if we don't change we don't grow if we don't grow we aren't really living Michael Schenko welcome back how are you
2: I'm doing great Bonnie good afternoon to you and to our fellow panelists
0: thank you so much where are you calling from you said afternoon oh it's 1205 here in New York where are you
2: it is 12.05 here in Jackson, Michigan, in our corporate office. I'm sitting with you uh, in our post office building, enjoying a view of a the as I have uh, a conversation with you.
0: Okay, wonderful. So talk to me. Are you a big fan of Gail Sheehy? And if yes or no, how did you come to find this quote for our topic of what are utilities doing to catch up? Talk to me.
2: I can't say that I'm a, I'm a fan, big fan of Gail Sheehy, but I love the quote. I think, um, you know, as we live our lives, whether it's personal life or professional life, the one thing that is always constant is change. And if we do not adapt with it, grow with it, then change in the world is going to pass us by. So always looking for that opportunity for how we are going to manage change and how we will be on the forefront of change rather than the ones kind of waiting for it to happen.
0: So tell me something. How bad is it for utilities, Michael? Are they really lagging that badly? Are they, are they aware that they have to change? Are they in the process? Are they grinding those wheels of progress as fast as the little mice on the, on the generator wheels can do? How bad is it?
2: Well, or how good say- is it? Yep. I have to say that it depends on the utility, for sure. Um, utilities that are progressive, and I would say our company, Consumers Energy, is definitely on the forefront looking at the ability for us to be able to provide the same customized customer experience to all of our um, our customers day in and day out that they will receive from any other um, realtor, um, any other real, re- retail outlet, any other uh, utility that they might do business with, even the direct TVs or... Um, Comcast of the world. So we we understand, we recognize that the need to change is there. We understand that we must be focused on our customer first, and we have to give them that same type of customer experience that they're getting elsewhere, if not someone else will.
0: Thank you very much. All well put, and you are in the industry in the trenches. That's why we're so pleased to have you here. Thank you, Michael. Let me welcome back Jill Feblowicz, she is the Vice President for IDC Energy Insights, and a shout out to our friends at IDC. Jill has chosen for today's show a quote from Isaac Asimov, who is an American author and professor of biochemistry at BU Boston University. He was prolific. He wrote for wrote or edited over five hundred books and an estimated ninety thousand. Letters and Postcards. Interestingly enough, his books have been published in nine of the ten major Dewey Decimal Classification categories. I don't know if even Jill knew that. Here's the quote on the topic of change. Of course, it is change, continuing change, inevitable change that is the dominant factor in society today. No sensible decision can be made any longer without taking into account not only the world as it is but the world as it will be. Forward-looking, great quote, Jill. Welcome back. How are you, Jill? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for joining me. Talk to me. You picked an Asimov quote. Why is this so important for our topic today about utilities?
3: Well, he was really, you know, ahead of his time in a lot of different ways.
0: And uh, this
3: quote was, was years ago, but I think it applies even more so today um, I think that utilities have to recognize in all their decision making that they have to take into account uh the world as it will be, and there are plenty of indicators now and plenty of trends for utilities to take a look at to see how are they going to fit into this new world um, and you know as as Michael rightly mentioned, the cutting edge companies will be the ones that can think about those things and can really um, appeal to their customers with existing products and services, but new products and services as well. So that's why I picked the quote, because I think it's really incumbent on utility leadership at at the highest levels to start thinking about um, what their industry is going to look like five years from now.
0: So, Jill, are they doing that? You said it's incumbent upon them, reality check. Are they really looking? Is leadership aware? Is this going to hit them in the face one day, or are they already losing sleep at night over it?
3: I think they're already losing sleep. In fact, um, I uh, once heard a a CEO of a major North American utility saying that um, what keeps them up at night is the solar industry. Um, I think Mm. that there's a lot of talk about this in Europe, uh, with new business models, I think there's a lot of movement here um, in the United States and in North America with conversations about uh, revenue erosion and how um, utilities are going to take the next step and survive, and there's a lot of different paths that utilities are taking. Uh, so some utilities are trying to kind of manipulate the regulatory process to ensure um Uh, regular rate making. Other utilities are extending out by purchasing, um, you know, other utilities, uh, electric utilities purchasing, let's say, gas utilities, as was Mm -hmm. the recent announcement with Duke. And then there are other utilities that are really going after offering new products and services, um, both to the market of the future uh, in terms of data, in terms of being able to orchestrate. the distribution grid now that we have two-way distribution, but also to their direct, directly to their customer, whether they be commercial, industrial customers or or residential customers. And a lot of those services really go um, behind the meter and they may be going behind water management, beyond
0: um, water management and energy management to other types of products. Thank you very much, Jill. Great introduction on top of what Michael already shared with us. And now let's welcome our third panelist, the rounding out the trio guy. It's James McClellan, Senior Global Director of SAP Utilities and Energy Industry Marketing. And James has sent a very wonderful quote as well from George Bernard Shaw. Here's the quote. The reasonable man adapts himself to the world. The unreasonable one persists in trying to adapt the world to himself. Therefore, all progress depends on the unreasonable man. Heard this before, always love it, James McClellan. Welcome back. How are you, James?
4: I'm doing well, Bonnie. Thanks for having me back.
0: Oh, delighted to have you. Talk to me about the quote and how it relates to our topic, Utilities 3.0, and you can tie it to what Michael Shanko and Jill Feblowitz have already shared. Go ahead, James.
4: Yeah, it's, uh, it's basically, I think, in many cases, utilities have worked historically on a, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Mm. And uh, now we're getting to a point that, as Michael and Jill both stated, that the utilities are being forced to fix uh, or being forced to address. Uh, if we take a look just simply on the, on the billing example, uh, where my mother, who's 91 years old, bless her heart, uh, she still doesn't trust the Internet. She still has the blinking VCR, uh, but she wants to pay her bills in cash, and she will take that down to her local utility store or bank and pay the bill that way. So she, she still expects the paper bill. Um, that is part of a resistance to change, not necessarily yeah. the utility, but because of addressing the customer base. Now, I like to be able to pay my bills on the Internet, but if you talk to my children, they want to pay their bills by the mobile phone so they're actually pushing mm-hmm. the utilities to make these changes uh and start to address into the digitization of the, uh of the world
0: Interesting, interesting talk. And you're, you're right. Uh, my mom is nine, almost 99, James. We should get them together for tea or something. And my mother has several computers, and she's online almost every day, but not yet paying anything in terms of bills online. She still likes the paper bills from all of her utilities, even though we've set up a lot of them online. She just is more comfortable. So interesting that the utility might forage ahead in terms of modernization and embracing digital technology, but some of the customers – Still, like the comfort of that piece of paper. Very, very interesting. What do you think George Bernard Shaw would say about all of this today? And by the way, James, one of the plays he wrote was called Man and Superman. And if there was anything more forward looking, it had to be a character named Superman, however he interpreted. Any thoughts on that?
4: Well, I think that we're going into a new world. I I know many Mm -hmm. of the executives that I speak with are asking, you know, what am I hearing from the marketplace? Utilities are realizing that they need to adapt new business models. And Jill had addressed about, you know, is it the solar panels? Uh, Do they get into that business or is that going to be their nightmare? Uh, So the whole idea, it's a a brand new world. I think it's going to be very exciting over the next decade um, of what's going to happen in the utilities world because it's not your grandfather's
0: utility any longer. No, it's not, and it's not your mother's utility any longer either, or or mine. Let's let's bring this right back to home here. Thank you very much, James, and a pleasure to have you back. Michael Shanko, I'm going to circle it around the table to you, and you know the question I'm going to ask. I'd like to know a little bit more about Michael. What are you drinking right now, as in what's in your cup today, Michael, or what do you plan to drink after
2: the show? Talk to me. I'm going to tell you about what I started my day with today, and I'm, okay. I'm Originally from the East Coast, so I have coffee shipped in to me from a, a local um, company called Wawa, so it's a convenient market sure. mm-hmm. is throughout the Northeast, That's and right. their coffee is absolutely the best coffee that I've, that I've had, so I, I like to enjoy some pumpkin spice coffee with some hazelnut creamer, uh, it gets my day started off well, but uh, I have to rely on my, my network of family and friends to be delivering that out to me here to Michigan, because we unfortunately don't have a Wawa in Michigan.
0: Oh, and I remember when, when uh, well, my husband at the time was a Yale student, and I remember making a late night run for whatever we we lived in New Haven as young marrieds. I remember making a run from time to time to the local Wawa store. And those of you scratching your heads, wow, what? Just look it up, wawa dot com, and you'll see here they have ooh lattes and hot chocolates for two forty nine any size, limited time. What do you think of that, Michael?
2: Uh, again, I wish we had a Wawa down the corner here.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> and right. they have
0: a whole pa- whole page on their beverages. Very attractive website, by the way. Well, we'll do Wawa. When you can't get Wawa, what are you drinking out there?
2: Well, um, we do have some local favorites. So we have Jackson Coffee Company, which has quite a few uh, good drinks. But uh, my my evening favorite is it's becoming not your father's root beer. That's something that I've uh, I've grown very fond of and there's a new one that I've tried last night which is a Spritzer um, adult root beer out of Chicago as well so uh, it's, it's kind of nice to have that that old school feeling of a root beer with um, a little bit of extra surprise in there for you
0: oh do you remember mug root beer Remember I that do one? I remember mug root beer. Oh yeah, well, a little well, before we were scared with cholesterol, we used to put a little, a big scoop of vanilla ice cream and made a root beer float. Oh, but I digress. Sounds good. I think you can still get it in specialty stores. Jill Feblowitz, where are you calling from, and what's in your cup right now, or what are you thinking about drinking, Jill?
3: Well, right now I'm in San Francisco, and um, I don't have access to my usual supply of tea, so. Um, drinking a, a, a Mighty Leaf uh, silk um, cachet of uh, English breakfast tea um, which, is, which is adequate. <laughs> I prefer <laughs> to have my own tea. And I've been thinking a lot about drinking wine. Um, mm. I'm a big fan of wine and uh, one of the things that I recently got introduced to uh, by my daughter who's living in, in Spain is a Spanish wine. And uh they have some great reds and some great whites, as a matter of fact. I always think of Spain as having mainly reds, but they have wonderful whites. Um, My favorite is a wine that I don't have the name of. <laughs> I, I wish I did, but it's uh, from Barcelona. And it is a, a wine very similar to a Cabernet Sauvignon, um, but it's a wine that is especially... Um, put together for the celebration of spring in Barcelona and um, I like the fact that I can get it at my local wine store um, whenever I want not just in spring so um, Spanish wines is, is something I've really gotten into lately.
0: Very nice. And by the way, if you Google wine in Barcelona, you'll come up with all kinds of things. There's a, a Wikipedia page on Catalan wine. There's a beginner's guide to Spanish wine at SeriousEats.com. There's a Tempranillo wine profile at WineFolly.com. Wine Folly also has eight delicious alternatives to Cabernet and talking about Spanish wines. And we even have Gretchen's top ten wines of 2014, the Barcelonawinebar.com. So there, Jill, when you're done, we will... Uh, we will We'll release you to go take a look. Ruida, verdeo, and Viura are main grapes which produce white wines that are dry, like Chardonnay, Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot, blah, blah, blah. That's barcelonawinebar.com. Maybe you can find out the name of what you're looking for. Thank you, Jill. I think we're ready for cocktails here. Let's see what James McClellan is drinking. James? I'm
4: starting to realize either I'm very boring or just don't (laughs) drink enough. So... uh...
0: (laughs) Oh, we're not going to say a word. So, what is in your cup today, James?
4: Oh, I'm sipping on tea and hot tea, and we'll be flipping over to iced tea here in a little bit. And I'm just taking a look at the calendar, and I'm thinking, my goodness gracious, I'll be probably sipping on uh, uh, something around uh, something for Christmas time soon, uh, because I can't believe we're less than two months out from Christmas Day.
0: Oh my goodness. Talk about lagging behind. Do we really have to think about that already? I guess we do. Any minute now, they'll be having decorations in the stores. Thank you very much, James. You are anything but boring, my friend. Guess what? We're going to go and take a quick break so you can all have a sip of something. And don't don't make it boring. You're listening to Industry Cloud Trends with Game Changers Radio, by the way, if you're keeping track. This is episode number 13, so this is our season ender. and we have to do a shout-out to Matt Small and all the wonderful people at SAP who have helped put this show on the air the past couple months. But right now, we are talking about Utilities 3.0. Are they really catching up? Do they know they need to catch up? When will they enter the real digital world? And do their customers really want that? We're going to find out more with Michael Shanko, Jill Febb and James McClellan. When we come back, I'm Bonnie D. Graham, drinking a glass of cool, clear water with a green straw, and green is for money. You guessed it. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. Michael at World Talk Radio, take us out.
1: it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. SAP, co-innovating alongside customers, is taking its industry-specific solutions into the cloud. Join us to learn how to make the world run simpler in the cloud without missing a beat. It's a tall order. Industry Cloud Trends with Game Changers brings together the people who are making it happen. We'll delve into very specific industry challenges and also solutions that run across disparate industries, all to help you succeed in your mission. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how business leaders can shape the future of change. Industry Cloud Trends with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Industry Cloud Trends with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show using Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to industry cloud trends with Game Changers.
0: And here we are. We're back and talking to Michael Schenko, Jill Fevlowitz, and James McClellan. Our topic today is Utilities 3.0 traditional IT in a non-traditional world. I think that sums it up very well. Michael Shanko is going to help me kick off the roundtable right now on this exact topic and he says IT must move to deliver faster, more reliable solutions at a price point lower than ever and let's just leave it there in terms of driving the utility sector of the future. How are they going to use traditional IT or don't they have to in today's already non-traditional world? Michael, talks. Talk to me
2: Thank you Bonnie mm-hmm. so IT has has been going through a lot of transition over the years with uh, with regards to utilities and there's always traditionally two different entities that exist within a utility you've got your operational technologies which are your run the business run the power plants type of technologies and you have corporate technologies this is your back office Microsoft Office word and business applications mm-hmm. what's starting to become a lot more prevalent as technology is more readily available and the requirements for technologies are, are um, fast-growing. Data growth is, is exploding because we are now capturing data from all different types of endpoints. We're now pulling data from our customer record systems. We're pulling data from smart meters, um, pull-top capacitors, line sensors. And you know various new technologies that have cropped up over the past, I'd say, you know, five, ten years within the utility space, and all of this data, all of this requirement, really just drives more more hunger from the business teams to be able to use that data um, to make educated decisions about how to run our business. At the same time, our customers are demanding more and more for us every day. They're wanting that customized, um, that customized bill. They're wanting the options to be able to interact with the company in different ways, like we've talked about earlier. And in order for us to be able to meet those requirements, IT is now more on the forefront. You know, we're now uh, technology-driving business decisions, technology-driving business innovation, rather than technology just playing a back-end data center and server role. In order for us to succeed at that, we must be adaptive. We have to know, Mm -hmm. our IT teams must know and understand the outcomes that our business partners are expecting. We need to understand the outcomes of what our customers expect to have delivered to them. We need to understand our business. And we need to be thinking about data science. We need to be thinking about how do we use all of these solutions um, that we do have in place today to be able to educate our, our business decisions of the future and, and be able to digest that data and present it in a format so that it can um, you know, create that customized user experience and environment. There are so many solutions on the market that allow us to do that today, but ultimately having the right skills, the right people in the organization to be able to adapt to those things is, is critically mm-hmm. important as we grow our company.
0: Very, very great points there, uh, Michael. I was looking back to my opening and talking about how utilities today, the leading utilities, the aware ones, are rethinking the role and structure of their workforce. A quick question to you before we get Jill and James to chime in on this. question is, are they recirculating or recycling the skill sets of their workforce? And In order to be able to do this, you talk about IT has to understand the needs of the business. Does the workforce who's been there in, let's say, early on IT and utilities, do they get this? Do they have the skills, the knowledge, the ability to task, multitask, and on and on to deliver what the business needs now, or is that going to take an influx of new IT people with faster, sharper skill sets? Any thoughts on that?
2: I think the short answer is yes. Uh, The answer is yes to both. We must absolutely rely on all of our existing skill sets, the, um, the the presence of our employees that have been with the company and understand our business is absolutely invaluable and critical to our future state. They, um, they know the business better than anyone else, you know, uh, that we could go out and hire to do the job. But at the same time, while we want to invest in and develop uh, the skills of all of the team members that are currently with us, we also need to know that there are new technologies, new disciplines that um, we can't always get up to speed with quick enough, and we may have to go out and, and um, seek additional help from external candidates as well. So it, it, it's, it's got to be a marriage of both, and it's got to be um, you know a tight understanding of how we can support each other, uh, both both uh, existing and tenured employees versus new employees and, and even um, interns, like I had talked about in our last meeting.
0: Thank you very much. Great insights. Jill Feblowitz at IDC. Thoughts on what Michael shared, please?
3: Yeah, I agree with Michael that there needs to be actually a combination of of, uh, talent. So uh, you can have data scientists who do a wonderful job with the uh, various tools like uh, R and other analytical tools. But you also need to be able to take advantage of the engineers at the utility to be able to understand, you know, whether they're electrical engineers, whether they're mechanical engineers, um, whatever. Um, to be able to understand how, uh, for example, it, the equipment works or the network works, um, because you have to kind of put a boundary on what a data scientist can do. So I, I agree absolutely that there needs to be, um, at least in the in the realm of analytics, there needs to be uh, participation. Of, of, you know, data scientists and, and other scientists as well. Um, I think, too, that there definitely, as you mentioned before, Bonnie, um, mm-hmm. there needs to be uh, for the workers that aren't that familiar with technology training programs that can get them up to speed in using that technology um, for the workers that are kind of developing, um, the technology for them to do their jobs better. And I think, uh, Michael is right in saying that, um, it's really up to the IT department to support a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, the business in being able to create better efficiencies. I, I agree too, you know, just on your point, Michael, about, um, having more access to data and, and, I kind of think of reliability issues, um, which are very important for the utility, Um, and reliability related to equipment failures, for example. It's now easier to put together the technology sensors, communication networks, and analytics to predict when a critical piece of equipment Um, On the distribution grid or in the pipeline is likely to fail and what recommended repair or change out should be and then get the replacement parts out to the location at the same time that the maintenance crew arrives. Now, that seems simple. Um, but if the part is specialized, the utility needs to see if it's in its inventory because ordering a custom part might take too long and the asset may fail before the part arrives. You get the idea. There's a lot of technology. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of data. There's a lot of information that can be deployed um, and put in in the hands of the utility worker, whichever level they're at, to actually improve reliability.
0: Thank you very much, Jill. I want to get James McClellan on this. James, a lot of thoughts on the table. What do you think?
4: Yeah, I think we're all in resounding agreement that uh, there has to be a mix, but I'm also seeing that as we start to digitize the utility, uh, there's also going to be a whole new set of new type of roles. Um, you know, We already talked about data analytics or data scientists, uh, but as we start to see the convergence of IT and OT systems coming together. Uh, There's a whole new set of roles that are taking place in a utility. They're changing the way that they do work. Uh, If we take a look at the traditional customer service representative, i would seen an interesting fact that the traditional customer service representative can maintain a conversation with two people at the same time. If we take a look at the generation that's coming up uh, who had created their own language called text messages... Mm-hmm. The average number of conversations that uh, a young person maintains during text messaging is nine conversations at one time. Wow! So if you take that new skill set and put that into your customer service area, uh, as I said, it, it's a whole new way of doing work. It's a whole new skill set uh, that, uh, you know, that we're starting to see entering into the marketplace as well. And as the utility changes the way they do work, as they possibly change what their business model is, that they're no longer just providing energy, whether it be water, gas, electricity to their customers and customer service to answer questions if a bill's wrong or if a power's out. uh but now that they actually are going to be upselling to their customers of new products and energy services.
0: Thank you very much, Michael Shanko. I'm going to circle back to you at the front of the table. What do you think about what your colleagues on the panel added to your topic?
2: Thoughts? Um, Absolutely all fantastic points. And, you know, just to uh, kind of reiterate something we talked about in our last session is our company, first and foremost over anything else, is focused on safe, secure, and excellent operations of both IT and our utility Um, So in addition to all of the new requirements, the new data requirements, we we will still need to run and maintain our operational environment better than we ever have before. And you think about that, that convergence of ITOT that was spoken of by James, we really have um, you know now technology going into the homes or on the homes and into the homes of our customers so we're supporting technologies far beyond the data center which is what you know if you think about it was our primary focus before yes we had the networks yes we had the servers and now we're literally putting our, cost, our company assets in the homes of our, our primary customers and at the same time our business partners are becoming a lot more educated in the technologies uh, and they, they need these, these technologies in order to do their job. So I would say that we have you know an adaptive IT organization has is, is got to be in the focus, it's one that can continue to maintain safe and excellent operations, one that can evolve and bring the new functionalities, uh, understand the business, and be be okay with um, our business partners now being a little bit deeper and owning some of the technology that maybe IT did in the past.
0: Mm-hmm. It is definitely changing, and that goes back to our theme in the opening. We had a lot of quotes on change. Let me see what we've got here. Just looking back, we had the quote from Gail Sheehy about if we don't change, we don't grow. If we don't grow, we aren't really living. Very applicable. We had Jill Feblowitz quoting Isaac Asimov. It is change, continuing change, inevitable change that is the dominant factor in society today. And then we had James McClellan. See how nicely these quotes just tie in a bow? I love this. George George Bernard Shaw, uh, all progress, Depends on the unreasonable man who persists in trying to adapt the world to himself. All about change. Excellent. Thank you. Jill Feblowitz, I'm looking at your discussion points, and I'm trying to see where would be a really good place to take this conversation. Um, let's talk about, since we're sort of in storm season, I know uh, Hurricane Patricia is wreaking or wrecking, however you pronounce it, havoc in various places, Mexico and Texas, and heading up north a little bit. Uh, uh, let's talk about reliability. That's where I want to go, reliability in terms of equipment failures, in terms of helping customers. And, Jill, you say in your notes another aspect of utilities reliability, and this is very visible, obviously, is storm-related. So how does adapting to digital, other than being able to give you the choice of paying your bills online, how will this digital transformation of the utilities industry allow them to really help us when and where we need it? Jill? Um yeah so I you know I'd like to focus on mobility because that's
3: mm-hmm. really kind of one of the aspects of digitization that I see and mobility on the operation side as well and some of the research that we've done has uh utilities uh working a lot on projects that are mobility related on the operation side especially uh the, the folks in the field not necessarily in the office um so as you mentioned, you know, we're, we're reaching storm season. Um, we're having a lot more extreme weather these days. Um, and when an outage is extensive due to storm, there's a need for mutual assistance. So what, what some utilities are doing is, is creating some mobile apps or working with their, their vendor partners to create mobile apps that can deliver instructions to restoration crews in the field. And allow them to enter uh, status information, uh, such as you know, have they found the problem? Uh, what have they done to to fix the problem? The down line? Uh, when is the job complete? Um, and it allows a dispatcher to send that crew that's out there working on the lines to another location, so um, they they can be more efficient and they can resolve more uh, of the the downline problems or the storm problems than ever before. Um, This also applies to not just who you have within your own crew. In some of these large storms, there's a need for mutual assistance. Now, um, the mutual assistance could be contractors that are coming in that you're hiring, um, like electrical contractors, or it could be uh, mutual assistance from other utilities that are in, in the area. Now, those folks, you're not necessarily going to equip with mobile devices, they're going to have their own. So the challenge is to kind of work out how to integrate those people um, and provide them the information that they need to um, do what they need to do to repair uh, a line and also to report back into your systems. And and all this is ultimately to benefit the customer so that the customer gets better reliability and they also have a better idea of, of... when their power is going to be restored or if they're at work or something that their power has has been restored. So I think I really see mobility as part of that digital transformation um, and being able to help benefit um, everybody in the utility.
0: Thank you, Jill. Great points. James McClellan, thoughts, please.
4: No, I think we're spot on as far as Uh, you know, mobile technology, this is going to be a driving force of how can we do things faster, but most importantly, much more simpler. Uh, It's a a very complex world, and it's getting more and more complex, Uh, but the way that we can improve the way we do work is to to be able to simplify uh, business processes. Um, You know, having contingent labor coming in, as Jill was addressing, uh, you don't want, especially if it's in a, a major catastrophe that you're bringing uh, outside workers in to help with the work, mm-hmm. but you don't want to be able to give them access to your system, nor yes. may it be flexible enough that they would understand how to uh, enter into the system. But as we're moving towards mobile apps that are much more intuitive, uh, this is a, a, a way of simplifying business, uh, but being able to speed up a correction time or time to action. So uh, mobile is key. Uh if I go back to a point that we were saying about new skill sets, but it falls mm-hmm. into this place as well, is then you have to address the whole area of cybersecurity, uh, which is a whole different topic, a whole new skill set that utilities are, are having to address, and they're one of the major targets.
0: Very interesting. Uh, James, before we circle around to Michael Shanko, why don't you open up that line of conversation there for a minute about cybersecurity? How badly are they being targeted? Is this something that's in everyday, everyday, or is this something we, we won't read about because it's being handled quickly and quietly?
4: Uh, uh, well, you know, I think security is is a big opportunity for utilities. I think that they would like to keep much of their, you know, if there are issues relatively quiet. Uh, I Mm -hmm. think it's just on the brink. I, I also believe, depending on where you are in the world, um, you know, there's higher opportunity for cybersecurity than what we see here in North America. Uh, we do hear of, of examples of it, but as we start to digitize more of our assets onto the grid, uh, you know, you're you're going to have a larger opportunity uh, for cybersecurity hacks, and it, it's a real issue.
0: Real issue. Let's let's talk to the man in the trenches, Michael Shanko. What are you seeing? Anything you want to share with us, or is it uh, top secret?
2: Well. uh, So with regards to cyber, cyber is is absolutely the most critical thing that we need to be focusing on with regards to our grid and our customer information. With data availability, we've seen out in the industry, other industries, where breaches are are very, very frequent and very visible. Um, So having a strong cyber program is is absolutely critical to a utility today and, and more so more prevalent in the future. Um, I'm proud of where we are, where our company stands. We have a fantastic cybersecurity program, um, which focuses on some of the the heavy, by the way, heavily heavily regulated environments that we support. So there are NERC standards, NERC SIP standards that we must live by and abide by in order to ensure that as a utility we are providing the recommended um, level of coverage and safety precautions from a cyber perspective. And uh, I believe that it's important for utilities not to just live by that NERC SIP requirement, but to live beyond that. Um, Not only know how to keep the intruders out, but also how to effectively manage them once and if they get in, and how you handle that type of a breach or that type of scenario. And if you think about that future state where where more things are connected, um, not just the data side, but the networking side and network component of this is the, the, there's opportunities, yes, to have data breaches, but there's also opportunities for even further damage. So um, cybersecurity needs to be on the radar of every utility. If it's not one of the most important things they're focusing on today, it needs to be. And they absolutely must be, believe, be thinking about um, the possibility of this happening and prepare for that with a, a very strong disaster recovery, very strong um, incident command process, such as uh, FEMA's incident commands process, which are all, you know, can also be enabled with technology for better ease of use. But, um, again, very, very critical component of the utility of the future, utility 2.0, 3.0, or even 1.0. We've got to think about security safe and secure operations first.
0: Thank you, Michael. See, James, you opened up a little bit of a a, a can of interesting possibilities here that we ended up with a very critical topic. Uh, Jill, any thoughts about cybersecurity before I move on?
3: Uh, Yeah, I do have a few thoughts, and Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, James, thank you for for opening this up, because (laughs) um, this is a a big issue for utilities, and in some ways, it's, it's kept some utilities from investing in the cloud, although, you know, my opinion is that uh, the resources that are brought to bear to secure the cloud are, are really good these days and, and, in fact, much better than maybe what a utility might be able to do on their own. Um, we surveyed about 89 utilities last May, and we asked them on a scale of one to five where, where uh, one was no progress and five was problem solved. You know, where is your organization? And we were kind of surprised to find that, um, in about 30% of utilities have had said that they've made little or no progress on security, um, which is kind of shocking to me. Um, mm-hmm. you know, another 60% or so said they've made some progress or a lot of progress. So I think that, um, that it's an issue that needs to be tackled, and I know that utilities are are going about doing it in a lot of ways. Um, and, but it it does require constant vigilance. Um, you have to be um, ahead of the game in terms of the types of attacks that that could be um, made. Um certainly there's a lot of uh, uh of breaches uh in in twenty thirteen the um i c s cert found that energy industry and I think this includes oil and gas as well was was top in the the number of security breaches so there's there's a lot of work to be done, but I think utilities are are you know taking up uh the topic they are um, working with partners to get um, themselves more secure they're establishing more uh, security protocols, um, hopefully it will be fast enough um, to deal with the, the threats that they're facing. Thank that's you
0: that's very much,
4: Jill. Just finding, yep. you know, both my my fellow panelists' opinion on mm-hmm. this, you know, Jill, simply because you've been doing research, and Michael, since you're feet on the ground, but I know I have my opinions about developing your security strategy, and Mine has been to recommend that utilities go to a third-party specialist company to initially set up a security strategy. Other utilities are developing it in-house, but we're finding that once you develop a very good skill set, that those seem to be targets uh, for recruitment from other locations or other places outside of your company. So then you're starting to develop that skill set all over again. But uh, Jill, Michael, have you seen any sort of pattern or thoughts on that at all?
2: Absolutely, and I, I would uh, 100% agree with your comments on when you, build, when you build it, they will come, right? So if you have proven uh, evidence that you have been able to have a successful cyber program, then um, it's, it's very easy, especially in, in a state like Michigan where you're competing with um, some large large companies, manufacturers of automobiles and such, where your cybersecurity resources do become the subject of, of recruitment from a lot of them and very heavy. I think cybersecurity, if you look at where, where the uh, future trends are, where key roles are in the businesses today, cyber is probably the most sought after that there is. So um, even more important for us to be able to continue to show the value of the organization that we have, um, show the value in our employees, and how we look to, to develop and, and retain the talent that we have um, here at Consumers Energy.
0: Thank you. Jill, you want to answer James's question? Uh, yeah, I I kind
3: of agree that uh that there is a um a of lack of talent out there and and I do think that for some utilities who who don't um live in an area that that draws talent necessarily um that they they will need to rely on third parties to help and even if there is talent within in house um there are services that others can provide um, such as, you know, in, intrusion, um, testing and, and those types of services that the utility could really need. But I also believe that, that, that utilities can use the services of professional service firms to really kind of get their strategy down. And, um, because you, you need to really, um, have a comprehensive approach and it needs to involve not just IT, but the chief risk officer, um, you know, chief technology officer, if there is one, and the CIO, and and whoever's in charge of operational technology as well, um, because you know, having someone threaten your systems at a nuclear power plant is is, is not a good thing. And uh, the operational systems are are what's mainly in play there. But so I agree with you, James. I think that. That There's a lot of help out there, and I think that it's wise for utilities to get help on, on all those different aspects on the day-to-day as well as setting the uh, uh, security policy and protocols.
0: Thank you, Jill. James, any other questions for them before I pick up one more topic? We have just a couple minutes to cover. You good, no, James? I didn't
3: mean to take over
4: being a host. Of oh, no, show,
0: no, so, no, no. I, I love, listen, <laughs> I owe you the thank you for bringing up that topic. You just kind of let it sneak in and we ran with it. Fascinating. Love it. No, no, no. You and I are sharing the honors today, James. How's that? James, <laughs> I'm looking at your notes here and, and I think we'd be remiss talking about Utilities 3.0 with a look to the future without talking about what you call the leaders who are emerging, emerging from nowhere. You say the utilities industry boundaries are already blurred, large players coming in, Google, Samsung, Tesla, and millions of private consumers engaging in sustainable and smart energy generation and management. What would be your message for utilities listening today, James? And then we'll ask, of course, Michael, who is one, and Jill, their thoughts. What's the message in terms of digital transformation? How heavy is the competition on the digital side? James? James?
4: I, I don't think that we have seen even the, the start of the competition that's coming in. When we ended off the, the last show, you'd ask me who I thought the competition was. Mm-hmm. And in many, I think i would stated that I don't think the competition really exists yet. I know I just got a, a flyer in the mail that uh, there's a, a local group that has some uh, solar panels set up. Would I like to be able to buy in to be able to get some power from that? that would get me off my grid from my local utility. But for utilities as a whole, one of the largest competitors I think is gonna be your own customer. If wow. uh, if I'm a water company and I now put in a, uh, a recycling system into my own house so that I can recycle my own water, I'm really getting away from my water utility. Uh, for a gas utility, if I flip over to running everything electric, uh, then I'm getting away from being a gas customer. Or maybe I have propane, that I use propane for myself, so I'm actually being a competitor to the gas company. And from electricity, we're hearing all about this cogens or distributed generation or putting up solar panels or uh, setting up uh, generators in your own house for me to get away from my utility. So the competitor is becoming your customer. And the utilities, I think, need to be on the proactive side of this deliver new services to be able to maintain all of these new equipments uh, because the power generation or the supply portion of it is going to be a dwindling commodity as far as the revenue stream goes for the utilities.
0: Thank you very much. Michael Shanko, you want to add to that, please? We just have, oh, I give you each a minute before we go into our predictions, Crystal Ball. Go
2: ahead, Michael. Most definitely. So the world is uh, changing so fast. There's disruptors potentially to every business, and utilities are no different than that. There's no doubt I uh, agree that our customers are having opportunities now to create their own power and generation, and now we're actually serving them and partnering with our own customers to be able to use some of that generation to distribute to others. Um, I believe that utilities are are is, are in a must do situation to be able to find figure out how they take advantage of and and leverage that capability that's out on the market, whether it be the Tesla batteries, the Tesla cars, the, um, the solar panels, wind farms, et cetera and self-generation and reinvent themselves to understand how they can be a part of the future of, of all of the things that a customer may be wanting to do in their home from an um, energy consumption perspective or, or even beyond that.
0: Thank you. Jill Feblowitz at IDC. Quick thoughts. I'll give you oh, one minute on what's your observation on these blurring of the lines and who the new leaders are.
3: Well, I think that there are a lot of new leaders and a lot of utilities taking a look at digital transformation. Um, to do so, they need to, to make a digital a core component of the strategy and recognize the value of data to create new service-based business opportunities, um, knowing about the customer's preferences, habits. They need to embrace a uh, experienced design culture when marketing new products and services to consumers. They need to be able to widen the ecosystem to increase opportunities for co-creation and collaboration with bundled offerings with, with maybe some of their likely competitors in this area. And they need to be able to have a plug-and-play architecture and in business to quickly integrate new solutions and, and ready-to-use services.
0: Thank you very much, Michael Shanko. I'm circling back to you very quickly. Let's see. I've got five minutes till close. I'm going to give you 60 seconds. Let's start with that. I'm sure you'll go a little bit over Michael Shanko. Predictions. Look into the crystal ball. I know you polished it off before the show, my friend. What do you see? How far in the future? What will be changing about Utilities 3.0? When is 4.0 coming down the pike? And anything we've covered, what will be changing in the future? Tell me how far ahead you can see. Michael Shanko,
2: Go. The data and the technologies will provide us an opportunity to be more than the consumers, more than the utility company to our customers. We will be service providers. We will be business partners. We will be established um you know, call residents in a state trying to do what's best for the for the organization and for the state of Michigan or whatever state we're, states we're serving. Beyond that, we have opportunities to be able to build upon all of the data, using things like wearable computing, using things like data to be able to more efficiently manage our environment and our homes, um, using our, our capabilities for things like full top capacitors and drones, to be able to manage and quickly respond to outages and storm situations. So I believe technology is going to continue to be uh, driving an evolution, and I believe that our customers and our business partners are going to demand that type of work for us uh, from us and expect more each and every day.
0: Thank you very much. You brought up a word, the D word, drones. James McClellan, can we get a panel together for Coffee Break Radio about drones? Nobody, <laughs> nobody has talked about it. You want you offline. You, you and I will chat about that, James. I'm tapping into you, Jill Feblowitz' prediction. 60 seconds go.
3: So I'm going to go out on a limb and say by 2018, 20 percent of energy consumers will purchase new energy-related products and services from utilities and their affiliates, opening
0: up new revenue streams for the utility industry. Wow, and that should be something that puts a smile on their face, right? Exactly. Or
3: smiling. Exactly. Thank
0: you. Happy talk. Yes, I wanted to make sure we got Michael to comment there. Michael, smiley face, smiley face, smiley face, emoticon, emoticon. Thank you very much. Jill, we love good news. We appreciate that. Can't all be doom and gloom. James McClellan, I can give you a big 60 seconds for your predictions. Talk to me. Well, we,
4: we started the show off saying, why aren't utilities making a transition? So uh, mm-hmm. uh, I want to be able to, to also give a little bit of love back to the utilities industry that uh, every executive I speak to, Digital Transformation, is on the desk today. They do get it, and they are making the move towards it. You hear Jill's stats about which way that the industry is going. Uh, I really think that utilities are going to have a a quantum leaps and bounds in the way that they do business and the type of uh, business that they do uh, between now and 2020. So um, a historically slow-moving industry, but I think it's going to take on such a transformational change. It'll just make your head spin.
0: Wow, I'm tweeting. James McClellan giving a little love to the utility industry regarding digital transformation progress. Yes. How's that, James? Can we live with that on Twitter?
4: (laughs) We'll see what the reaction is
0: we will I'm treating as fast as my little tootsies allow me and we're just about out of time I want to circle back to Michael Shanko thank you I know you're busy I know you have a lot on your plate because you're there as James McClellan said feet on the ground in the trenches in the utility industry wishing you well Michael been a pleasure speaking with you again Jill Feblowitz at IDC thank you Jill always a pleasure to speak with you love your research and your clarity on all the points you shared and, and please give a shout out to our friends at IDC always delighted to have you and your colleagues on the radio James McClellan and what can I say I finally found a picture of you kind of sort of smiling well that means you have to come back and bring me more topics James McClellan and a shout out to Matt Small at SAP and Birgit Dolney and Brittany Schaefer and oh who else do we have we have so many wonderful people who have worked on this series over the past 13 weeks it's actually been a couple more months than that because we alternate in this time slot but I want to say thank you oh Anya Anya Reshki as well at SAP thank you all of you for contributing to really great topics. So we'll say sayonara for now to Industry Cloud Trends, but I'm sure they'll be back soon. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and a shout-out to Michael and the Business Channel team for getting us and keeping us on the air. Here's my call to action. Oh, you know it already. Just fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Like Michael and Jill and James, go out and be a game-changer today. That's in order. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.
1: Thanks again for tuning in to Industry Cloud Trends with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run business is run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 p.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.